Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. There is a very dangerous and very effective destabilization campaign underway against this president, his administration, and his agenda. And what I hope that the president and his senior aides understand is that these forces are not just looking to delegitimize him. We often talk about that. Sure, they want to do that. They want to personally destroy him, destroy his presidency, and they would like to see the man in prison. I hope that the president understands I am not overstating this, having been a victim of this myself. They are out for blood. And the reason they have to destroy him is that Donald Trump is an alien organism that has been injected into the body politic by the American people to reform it. He must not be allowed to succeed. They have swarmed him. They have swarmed everybody around him in order to reject him out of the, the system, just like any alien organism. He must not be allowed to succeed. And I hope that everybody around him now understands that this is a war and that they started a long time ago. But they will not end until they get the president of the United States. Hey, guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for being with me as we begin to wrap up another week. This is your go to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers and happy warriors. Check me out on social media on Instagram. I'm at Monica Crowley underscore and on Twitter and true social. I'm at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I can be reached at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, we're working on some big stuff for next week on the show. So you're going to want to tune in for those shows. Also, I just want to make mention that uh, this week, I actually went down to Fort Lauderdale and did an amazing podcast called the Unusual Suspects. Um, and if you're familiar with Patrick Bet David and Valuetainment, his, his major company, Patrick Bet David does a huge podcast called the PBD Podcast. And he, now he's got these other shows, including The Unusual Suspects, which is led by Vinny Oshana, who is a great stand-up comedian. And we had so much fun. It was like a crew of guys and me. Uh, so I posted it up on my Twitter at Monica Crowley uh, yesterday. So please go check it out. It's up on YouTube as well. It was a really, really fun show. So please go check that out. Uh, also today, later in the show, we're going to be joined by Robbie Starbuck, who comes out of Hollywood. He is a filmmaker. He actually ran for Congress, I believe in 2022. He didn't quite make it uh, because the establishment was aligned against him, but he is really big on the cultural issues. And he has just put out a phenomenal new documentary about the left's targeting of our children. It's called The War on Children, and it's all about how the Marxists are attacking our kids. Really, really important conversation. That is coming up later today. But first, the Monica Memo. Farewell to the Mick Losers. We, as America First, are quite a movement. We are a lot more powerful than we think we are. We've got a lot more levers to pull than we think we do. And, you know, when we understand that and when we mobilize, it's all organic, unlike the left, which is all astroturf. It's all organic. And when we move in great numbers, we have tremendous power. And I think it's only over the last couple of years, certainly since the appearance of Donald Trump and his huge win in 2016, we are now realizing, it's now dawned on us, that when we move together, we can make amazing change. And we have now in the Republican Party. You know, I have said for a long time that Donald Trump, as incredible and amazing and brilliant and powerful as he is, he is only one man. 
So he can only do so much. Now he is moving heaven and earth. I mean, it's astonishing. And we're going to get to him here in just a second. But he's only one guy. And he needs backup. He needs backup in Congress. He needs backup in the Senate. He needs backup in our state houses around the country in terms of governors and, and state legislatures. He can only do so much as powerful as he is. And the America First movement needs backup as well. We need people in positions of real power and authority to take the America First banner forward. We did not have that. We certainly did not have that prior to Donald Trump. And, you know, before Donald Trump, we didn't know what we were missing, right? We did not know that anything else was possible. We would just pull the lever for the John McCain's of the world and the George W. Bushes of the world and the George H. W. Bushes of the world and the Mitt Romneys of the world. And we were like, all right. And we would tout them, right? Because we just didn't know any better. Like, yay, John McCain. Yay, Mitt Romney. I want my votes in those presidential election years back because I feel completely ripped off. But we didn't know what we didn't know. And, you know, our movement really sort of began under Nixon. It was the great silent majority movement. And then it became the Reagan revolution. And then it became the Tea Party. And now it's America first. And so while we had a sense of our movement, and we had a sense that we were right and we wanted to preserve America, it didn't have this kind of coalesced kind of feeling and actual movement. You know, we tried the Reagan revolution. We tried under Nixon. We tried the Tea Party was a real organic movement. We were in the streets. We tried. But those were all nascent movements, and they had some really big successes, but there was nothing that brought it all together. We needed a leader. We needed Donald Trump. But again, he can only do so much. He's only one man, as incredible as he is, okay? And he is a superhero, but he needs help. And so when you looked at all of our institutions, the Republican leaders we're all uniparty establishment folks who were not part of America First, did not want to see the system changed, never mind disrupted and destroyed, because they all had a stake in that system. So we, as a movement, very powerful in our numbers, have now had three major successes in getting rid of the three Mick losers. First, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, that, guys, I need you to take a step back and understand how incredibly significant that was. House speakers don't just go. (laughs) They don't just say, all right, I'm out of here, or be deposed like we deposed Kevin McCarthy because we put so much tremendous pressure on him for not delivering the America First promises that he had made. Now we have a speaker in there who is marginally better, um, Mike Johnson. Um, but, you know, Johnson doesn't really know. I guess he's learning. Um, and I guess he's learning fast, but he doesn't really know how to move the institution. The master of moving the house was Nancy Pelosi. Say what you will about girlfriend Nancy. And she's an insider trader to the nth degree, making millions of dollars hand over fist based on evidence that you and I do not have and data you and I have, don't have, and information you and I don't have. But Nancy Pelosi knew the institution and knew how to work it. Also, she had a party where all she had to do was crack the whip and everybody falls in line. Republicans are always a hot mess, and we are the stupid party as opposed to the evil party of the Dems, but we are the stupid party. Uh, Speaker Johnson just doesn't know how to move the institution. And again, he is trying to herd cats, and he only has a two-vote majority. So not a lot of latitude to move. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. But now, you know, apparently we're not going to face a government shutdown tomorrow uh, because they've achieved some sort of bipartisan spending deal Um, And the details only now are starting to come out. But I guarantee you, it's at the same levels of spending uh, that we saw with Nancy Pelosi. So again, the the Republicans are going down this road and out of control spending. We are hitting the wall. 
this is going to be a very painful experience for all of us, and we will deal with this on another show, but the fact that there, there's no movement to try to get any of this government spending under control is just pathetic. Um, also, on the border, um, it remains to be seen what's going to be done there, but they're so obsessed with everybody else's border, including Ukraine's border. Uh, the supplemental bill on foreign aid for Ukraine, Israel, there's, by the way, there's $10 billion in this bill for Gaza, and Taiwan, and it's a foreign aid bill, basically, but they are falling over themselves to pass billions of dollars for other people's borders, but not lifting a finger for our own. This is how despicable these people are, and however much you loathe these people, it's not enough. So it looks like yet another continuing resolution at astronomical spending levels And I'm telling you, we are a freight train without brakes heading into a fiscal wall that we are the ones who are going to pay the price, right, in terms of hyperinflation. You think inflation is bad now? Holy cow, just wait for what is coming. And we'll talk about that uh, later down the track. But uh, anyway, we are making moves in terms of changing leadership. So we removed McCarthy. That was casualty number one of the America First movement. And then we just got rid of Ronna Romney McDaniel, uh, head of the RNC, who spent more money on flowers than she did on voter uh, fraud prevention and voter integrity measures and taking on the left on mass mail and balloting and early voting and all of the rest. Very, very little. We've had multiple losing election cycles here, thanks to Rana and a bunch of other things. So she needed to go. Remember, her maiden name is Romney. So she is definitely part of the uni party class and was not at all really interested in America First. She talked a good game, but she was not part of us, okay? She just wasn't, and she needed to go. We could not go into this next election cycle with a loser like Rana at the top. So again, America First got Rana's scalp as well. The third Mick loser to go announced yesterday. Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell announced that he is stepping down from GOP leadership in the Senate. He's going to end his term. I think he's got a couple more years on his term because uh, I think he was just reelected two years ago. Uh, God help us. But he's going to end his term. He's going to continue with his term, but he's just going to step down as leader, which is great news. It's great news uh, because the turtle was absolutely part of the GOP establishment, the uni party, definitely not America first. Uh, The question is, uh, you know, the RNC, Donald Trump has endorsed Michael Watley out of North Carolina, plus Laura Trump as his co-chair. And here in the Senate, there are a couple of names being floated, including Thune, Cornyn, Barrasso, and Rick Scott, um, look, we have to make it really clear that th- this only works if we replace the person who is leaving, the McLoser who is gone, with someone who is better. No more uni party, you know, swapping out one uni party nightmare for another. No, no, no. This, uh, whoever replaces McConnell has got to be America first all the way. Um, And we've got to stay on top of that as well, okay? Because it does us no good to just rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. Also, McConnell says he's going to step down after November. We've got to apply a lot of pressure that he steps down now. Ronna McDaniel has already wasted three months almost of this year staying in office, collecting that paycheck for flowers and God knows what else. I mean, we need a change in these offices yesterday, So we need to keep up the pressure that Mitch McConnell goes soon, not after November, now, now. All right, so moving on to subject two, and we have so much coming at us today that I just want to sift through as many topics as I can. Today, we also have dual appearances by Biden and President Trump at the border. Suddenly, Joe Biden is interested in the border. You want to know why? Because the wide-open border illegal immigration, and all of the issues that it brings, thanks to Joe Biden, is now the number one issue for Americans. You know, the last couple of months, Biden has been campaigning on Bidenomics, 
oh, look at what a fantastic economy I've given you, which is a, a flat out lie. Inflation still continues to rage. Can't go to the grocery store without dropping 50 bucks at a minimum with, with only like a pack of gum and maybe a Snapple. Okay, so the American people know what the score is here with higher interest rates and everything else. The Biden economy is an abject disaster. But Biden was out there running around touting Bidenomics and we're slowing the rate of inflation and all of this nonsense, believing that the economy and jobs were going to be the number one issue. Not so fast. He thought people wouldn't recognize the absolute catastrophe of his wide-open border over the last three years when that problem of illegal immigration is on everybody's doorstep. So now he has decided that, holy smokes, I got to focus on the border because that's the number one issue now, including, including for core Democrat constituencies. This is the only reason Joe Biden is at the border today, because Democrat voters, black voters and Latino voters in particular, are furious at what his open border has wrought in their communities. They are pissed to the nth degree, and they are screaming at their Democrat mayors. Eric Adams in New York, Brandon Johnson in Chicago, the mayor of D.C., the mayor of San Francisco, the mayor of Oakland, the mayor of Seattle, they are getting screamed at by their constituents, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Why? Because the wide-open border has brought in 10, 12, 16 million illegals. They're on the streets. They're, They're on the streets. They are draining resources from education to healthcare, and they're committing crimes out the wazoo. So now the Biden team is now focused on this issue, but only in terms of a photo op. There is no movement to close the border or change policy in any way. No movement. It's all political theater. So Biden here said Trump was going down to the border today, and they hastily threw together a trip for him. Biden is in Brownsville, Texas, which has now been reduced to a trickle of illegal crossings because Governor Abbott, thank God for him, uh, finally got on the ball and put up razor wire and is enforcing the border now because federal government will not do it. So he's going to Brownsville, and guys, this is like the old Russian Potemkin villages. Russia was falling apart under the czars, and the czar would say, hey, I want to take a trip to the hinterlands, so I'm going to go to some remote village way in the west of Russia. And the courtiers around the czar would say, holy crap, we got to make it really nice for the czar so he doesn't see the abject poverty his people are living in. So they would put up these Potemkin villages for his visit, where they would put up literal facades over the hovels and the shacks that his people were actually living in. Well, they're going to do the same thing for Biden today. Brownsville is going to be a Potemkin village. Oh, look, Mr. President, little to no illegal crossings coming over the border today. Look, and Biden is going to be all, oh, that's great. See, we're getting control over the border. In fact, I want you to listen to his recent quote here about getting control over the border. Go. In April alone, Mr. President, 170,000 people, migrants, apprehended at the border. It's a 20-year record. That sounds to most folks like a crisis. Well, look, it's way down now. We've now gotten control. Is there a crisis at the border? Things are going at the border, sir. Much better than much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> so, I mean, he is insisting that it's not a crisis. And of course, he was eating ice cream while he was being asked by the crisis at the border, saying there is no crisis. And then he's saying, you know, we're getting control over it or we've gotten control over it. And I mean, he has been outright lying about this situation for three years And again, we, the American people, are the ones bearing the brunt of the consequences of his open border. So that is just a flat-out lie. Meanwhile, the Border Patrol Union, I follow them on Twitter. It is a great Twitter feed. You should be following it, too. This morning, they put out a tweet knowing that Biden was going to Brownsville uh, for a photo op. And they said to President Biden, keep our name out of your mouth. 
Good for them. Preach. Preach, Border Patrol. Preach. Keep our name out of your mouth. Yeah, he wants to go there and shake hands with the Border Patrol and ICE and make it look like he's doing his job. Actually, he is doing his job. Guys, when people say, what is the plan? Biden has no plan. This is the plan. Biden's not doing his job at the border. Mayorkas not doing his job. They refuse to do their job. Guys, they're doing their jobs on point. Their jobs are to destroy the United States of America, flood the country with illegals, get them voting, erase the border to get us to the Great Reset, one world government. Of course they're doing their jobs. When you orient your thinking to the truth of what's going on, man, man, opens your eyes, right? Again, another reason why Biden is at the border today, because we've had a series of absolutely horrific crimes that have become public over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you have rapes and murders happening at breakneck speed at the hands of illegals who should not be in the country. The Biden White House and campaign see this. They refuse really to acknowledge it. Lake and Riley, that very young woman, that nursing student who was brutally murdered by an illegal in Georgia over the last couple of days, the White House put out a statement about her that was like totally generic. Totally generic. They know that what happened to Lake and Riley is 100% on Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas and Kamala Harris. They know that. The blood is on their hands, but they don't care. They do not care. This is one thing you have to know about communists. They do not care. They do not abide by any rules, and they simply don't care. People dying from fentanyl coming across the border, people being shot to death, people being bludgeoned to death, people being just murdered in the streets, they do not care. There is no humanity in communists. You have to understand that piece of the puzzle. Well, why doesn't he care? Doesn't he represent us? No, he doesn't. And he's a communist. They're completely unfeeling. It's the ideology and ultimately power above everything else. Power to have control over other human beings. That is what drives them. There is no room for emotion or humanity in any of this. All right? So, uh, you know, they're asked about it. They put out a pathetic generic statement, which is disgusting, And then get a load of this, guys. Newly released documents show that Lake and Riley attempted to call the police during her attack. She tried to hit 911, and she actually got through while this illegal was killing her. The cops are refusing to release the recording of the call. I wonder what that's about. And no authorities traced the call to find her. So here she is. She's being murdered. And she gets through to 911, and I don't know what, they won't release the recording, so we don't know whether it was silence because the guy had his hand over her mouth, or whether she was screaming. We have no idea. We have no idea. But the authorities did not trace the call to try to find the person who was dialing 911. Come on. This reminds me of Uvalde, right, with the school shooter, and the cops are there filing their nails because nobody wanted to be in the line of fire. What is going on with our law enforcement? Not everybody. Obviously, we have a lot of really brave, honorable police and law enforcement. But man, you hear stories like this and you're like, what the hell? Am I going to be the one who's in trouble where the police don't come to help when it's their job? (sighs) Police did not apparently begin looking for her until a friend reported her missing. The mayor of Athens, Georgia, is a pathetic left-wing woke nightmare, and he gave a press conference where he blamed Donald Trump for her murder by saying something like, well, Donald Trump was mean to illegal immigrants, so it's his fault that Lake and Riley has died. Donald Trump has not been in office in three years, and he got this pathetic, disgusting mayor of Athens, Georgia, coming out blaming Trump for Lake and Riley's murder. I want to roll uh, this cut because this mayor of Athens uh, attempted to have a town hall where he was denying that the city sanctuary city status played a role in Lake and Riley's murder. And he was absolutely shut down by his constituents who were calling him a liar and telling him to resign. Listen. 
city doesn't track with either of those. And so that term means different things to different people depending on the context of the discussion. Uh, we know many, many of the elements, many of the elements, we are here to listen. We are here to listen. There will be time for questions. Many of the aspects that are ascribed to sanctuary cities we know what sanctuary are things means. that are disallowed by Georgia law. And we contribute a document every year to the Georgia Department of Audits indicating that we do not correspond to these definitions under state law. Yes, you do. And no policies have been adopted Please by the mayor and commission that have created sanctuary Athens. city status in Sir, Athens. You need to resign. One protocol resign that sometimes now. arises. Resign, resign now. Resign. You allow one protocol, this to happen, sir. One protocol that you sometimes arises is the approach that sheriff's offices and Well, good for them. Good for them. Demand his resignation. This man is disgusting. All of these people are disgusting. And like I said, in the context of McConnell and the Uni Party in Congress, it, however much you hate these people, it's not nearly enough. And do you see, by the way, in that clip, how when he was being shouted down by his voters, by the people he is supposed to represent, he just plowed through. Did you see that? Because he is also a communist. Communists do not listen because they do not care. They stick to their script and they just plow through. Again, they don't give a flying wit about you. They're there to make their predetermined statement and they're going to get through it no matter what they're facing because they don't care. Paul Sperry, who is an excellent investigative journalist, uh, he put out a tweet yesterday saying, developing, Biden's CDC, the Center for Disease Control, is suppressing data showing an alarming surge in measles, polio, TB cases, slamming emergency rooms across the country that is linked to Biden's illegal immigration crisis. You know what's also on the rise? Leprosy. Leprosy cases on the rise in the U.S., thanks to the wide-open border. And Sperry is uh, reporting that the CDC is suppressing this data because they don't want it to become a political story. So good luck to you with your leprosy, which is a disease we eradicated a long time ago, all of these things. But we're letting it in wide open. But you had to put on a mask and stand six feet away from your loved one and couldn't go see grandma on her deathbed and had to get an experimental medication to live your life, you had no choice in the matter uh, with regard to COVID. But here they're allowing all manner of diseases walking across the border. Are you awake yet? Do you get it yet? We spoke about Trump at the top of the show, and I just want to make note of this uh, because this is a huge development. So the Supreme Court said yesterday that they would take the presidential immunity case um, with regard to the January 6th case. Now, that the January 6th Jack Smith special counsel case is currently on pause while it makes its way through uh, the court system up to the Supreme Court. They said yesterday they would take the case and they would begin to hear oral arguments on April 22nd with a decision by the end of their term, which is at the end of June. So that case is on pause. You've got Fannie Willis and her lover, Nathan Wade. I mean, (laughs) that is better than Peyton Place. It's it's better than any soap opera you can imagine. All these texts coming out. Megyn Kelly had the text yesterday on her show showing that their affair began long before uh, they said it did. So they have perjured themselves, apparently, uh, to the judge, lied to the judge, lied to the court. Um, So they are a hot mess, and that case is a hot mess as well. The Florida case on classified documents is stalled. And uh, the New York case is, you know, they're going to go to trial, I guess, next month, but everybody says that's the weakest case. I just want to read Megyn Kelly's tweet yesterday. She said this, and she's an attorney, quote, with the Trump immunity case being accepted by SCOTUS and what's happening in Georgia, 
Trump may well have pulled the inside straight he needed to beat these cases. New York is a joke. Georgia is dying slash severely delayed. Florida ain't happening before November. And now neither is the January 6th DC case. Incredible. Um, I hope that that is correct. I love Megan and she's a lawyer, so she knows the system better than I do. Um, But I hope that's the case. Again, I get to my point, they're all communists and they do not care. The DOJ has a longstanding rule that they don't prosecute cases close to an election because they don't want to be perceived as interfering in the election. I think that ship has sailed a long time ago. These communists are engaged in election interference in every single aspect of this election, from big tech to this lawfare to everything else. So don't be so sure that they won't try to try these cases like in August, during the conventions, July, during the GOP convention, try to keep Trump off the main stage, Um, September, October. They're not supposed to do it close to an election, but again, they don't care. And they're desperate to secure a conviction against Donald Trump uh, before this election. So I think they're going to throw their rules totally out the window. Again, a lot of this depends on court schedules and judges' schedules, etc. But if it's up to Merrick Garland, the DOJ, uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel, if it's up to them, they will move with breakneck speed to get these trials going as fast as possible over the summer into the fall Again, because they don't care. Um, One final thing here. Oh, and by the way, Hunter Biden was in front of Congress yesterday. And if you listen to the Republicans who were in there, like James Comer, uh, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Nancy Mace, they are all saying that Hunter was defiant. He was totally dishonest. He was lying through his teeth about not having his father involved in these international business transactions. Guys, honestly... There are no Biden international business transactions without Joe Biden being in high office. I mean, the whole thing is absurd on its face. Totally logical. The Biden family could not, if they were, you know, janitors in the local school, they could not get these kinds of deals. All right. So the whole thing is absurd. There's mountains of evidence against what Hunter was trying to say. Uh, yesterday in front of Congress. So he may have perjured himself. I don't think he was under oath uh, yesterday, but he was uh, apparently lying through his teeth, according to the Republicans. The next step in all of this are public hearings. So you will hear from Hunter, you'll hear from James Biden, you'll hear from Tony Bobulinski in uh, public, and they will be sworn in. So that's the next round coming maybe in the next month or two. So we will keep a close eye on that. But given all of this going on, brand new poll out of Harvard-Harris, the Harvard-Caps-Harris poll, which shows some unbelievable numbers. First of all, across the board, Trump is now leading Biden in all of the swing states, the six or seven swing states, including places like Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, He's not beyond the margin of fraud, but he is leading by two, three, four, sometimes five, seven points. Um, So I think that's quite significant. But the Harvard-Harris poll shows something else that's really interesting. The people polled were asked about um, all of this lawfare and how it would affect how they would approach who they were going to choose for president. The Harvard-Harris poll found that even if Trump is convicted, He still has a chance of defeating Biden. 54% believe that Donald Trump is a victim of political prosecution. With six out of 10 voters at 60% believe the Democrats are engaged in political lawfare. If Trump is convicted of trying to influence the 2020 election results in Georgia, he still wins 52% of the vote to Biden's 48%. If Trump is convicted for inciting the riots on January 6th, he still wins with 54% to Biden's 46%. So guys, the American people have already baked this in. It, they don't care if Trump is convicted. So Jack Smith, you want to knock yourself out or whatever? I, I, I'm telling you, this is actually helping Donald Trump. It's strengthening him because people now see the depth of the corruption. So even if they don't like Trump, they're seeing what's actually going on here. 
and they don't like it. They don't like what's happening to their country. And Donald Trump is in the political crosshairs of this, and they do not like it. So um, every time he's hit, it's actually strengthening him, which is driving the communists crazy. And that's why you see increased desperation on their part. All right, guys, uh, let's hit a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Robbie Starbuck. We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk to him about his new documentary called The War on Children. Again, this is the communist attack on the next generation. So you're going to want to hear this. Sit tight. The erosion of our food supply is a pressing concern in today's world. The prevalence of diseases and the number of Americans getting sick continues to rise because of the practices associated with commercial farming, the use of fertilizers, chemical sprays, and the proliferation of bioengineered foods. We deserve better. We deserve food that will nourish our bodies, not break them down. And Freedom Farms believes that too. Straight from beautiful upstate New York, Freedom Farms, founded and operated by great American patriots, are leading the charge in restoring faith in food production by providing an alternative that is natural, healthy, and unadulterated. The farm raises grass-fed, grass-finished beef, pasture-raised pork, and free-range pastured chickens. But the best part about all of this is that all of their meats are 100% vaccine-free and hormone-free. And did I mention, you can even buy up to a whole cow and pig. Delicious and healthy meats processed at a small, family-owned butcher shop and delivered right to your front door. It's time we take control of our food supply. Check out Freedom Farms today by visiting wearefreedomfarms.com. And don't forget to use code MONICA25 for $25 off your first order. Wearefreedomfarms.com, code MONICA25 for $25 off your very first order. Check out my friends at Freedom Farms for the very best meat you will ever have. WeAreFreedomFarms.com, code MONICA25. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while because I'm a big fan of our guest today. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Robbie Starbuck. Robbie is a filmmaker and he is the host of the Robbie Starbuck Show. You can find him on social media at Robbie Starbuck. And he's got a brand new documentary, which is so critically important because it exposes the ongoing battle for control of the next generation, our kids, and control over their minds. The documentary is called The War on Children, and Robbie got a big, important endorsement from the one and only Elon Musk about this movie. And, you know, like I said, I've been following Robbie for a while on social media. He's just an incredibly important voice. And I saw this film and I knew that I wanted to talk to him about it. So he joins us now. Robbie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it is my pleasure and congratulations on making this film. Again, it's called The War on Children. And you are taking on a very critical piece of the Marxist revolution. Not a lot of people understand what is actually going on here in America. I talk about it all the time on this show and elsewhere uh, because I look at it as my mission to educate people about the reality of the situation in America today. We have been subjected to an ongoing Marxist revolution for decades. People haven't seen it, but now they are starting to wake up. One of the critical elements of any Marxist revolution is targeting our children. Talk to us about why you decided to make this film and why did you decide to focus on that particular issue? Yeah, I would say it's the defining element of ushering in any form of Marxism, communism, whatever people want to call it, because it's certainly shifting in terms of you know, what it looks like now. I call it the modern form of communism. And it's essentially the communists now are even bigger liars than the communists of the past, which is saying something. Um, and that's that's because they know in America they could never win an election outright admitting that they're communists. So they don't. 
Instead, they've crafted a system whereby they have communist levels of control and on the outside sell flowery language to you. It's why, you know, you hear all these, you know, nice sounding buzzwords like tolerance and social emotional learning in school. They sound they sound nice on the surface, but in reality they're Trojan horses. And so the reason we decided to make this film, though, um, wasn't just to expose all that. It was it was really bigger than that. It's that, you know, this has been a passion for my wife and I for the past decade. And we were on this very early because a school that our oldest daughter, who's 15 now, went to when she was very young, they were uh, essentially a breeding ground for this. They were a test school for this, a very, a very high end private school that was testing all these ideas about white privilege and, you know, fragility and all this craziness. And so uh, myself and Scott Bayo really were the only parents, uh, along with our wives, who stood up and, and really fought this and eventually led to both of us pulling our kids out of the school. Um, but that was the beginning for me where I said, you know what, this is going to spread across the country. And uh, my wife and I at the time were kind of treated like we were a little crazy. And now, today, a bunch of those parents who back then thought they were just good-hearted liberals, um, they've now even apologized to us because they're like, oh, you guys saw the train coming and we just thought it could never get this far. Um, but it has. And so there's all these people like that who don't believe still that certain things are happening. They don't believe there's pornography in schools. They don't believe that there's sexual drag shows happening. They don't believe that kids are getting mutilated in these gender transitions. They don't believe a number of these things that we expose in the film. And so we said we need a resource where all of it, all the proof is in one place where people understand the whole picture of this war on kids. Who's behind it? Where's the money coming from? How wide scale is this? How is it affecting teenagers? And go from there so that people can see, hey, this is real. This is happening. It is a concerted effort and really is a near global level psychological operation. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think we I think we established that with the film. You certainly do. And the fact that you did it in a film format so it's visual really makes a tremendous impact, Robbie. And I know you come out of Hollywood. You know, you have this experience in film and entertainment. So you really bring a, a keen eye to this issue and also a really deft touch to this film. And that's why I'm recommending it to everybody, even if you don't have children uh, or your, your children are grown, you need to know what is happening right underneath your nose. And Robbie, as you point out, this is a global enterprise here. Um, before we get into some of the specifics, the cultural Marxism that we're seeing, because a lot of people are like, hey, man, why are we seeing drag queen shows for kindergartners? And I keep trying to explain to them, this is not a one-off. This, this didn't just happen overnight. This is a key part of the cultural Marxist revolution, the cultural revolution that we are seeing happening in this country. And Marxists always, when they target children, their objective is to destroy the nuclear family, indoctrinate the youth, and the point of that is so that the Marxists have a standing army of these kids as they grow up for the rest of their lives, to do this kind of enforcement of the cultural Marxism that we're seeing now, correct? Absolutely correct. And I think certain paradigms have changed without parents realizing it. You know, um, again, we've got to look at the psychology of what the average American child is living through right now and then look at the reality of how it's sold to us versus what it actually is. So let's take, you know, TikTok, the most popular app for young kids right now in America. OK, it is the most popular social media among them. And when you think about what it really is, it's essentially a parent handing over the keys to a foreign government and saying, manipulate and indoctrinate my child with whatever it is you want them to believe. And then they step away and they let that country do whatever they want. I mean, it's no different than letting China send over a soldier who meets with your kid every day after school and gives them things to study. And it could be any type of subversive thing that China feels would be beneficial to them to cause chaos in America or stoke the flames of division here. And so we're allowing that already as parents in America. I mean, not me personally, but this is this is what we've seen in these film in, in the film and across America by the numbers. I mean, it's indisputable. This is what's happening. And then on the flip side of that. 
where does your child spend the most time if you're an average American family, if, especially in a big city, in a woke public school? And so essentially you're signing up to send your kid to a woke public school that functions as an indoctrination center for the ruling class. And in exchange for paying thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in taxes, in return, the state promises to deliver you back a child at 18 who hates your values, who will be particularly average at average things, and has not one exceptional marketable skill. And people are signing themselves up for it. Why? I think because maybe we haven't told the truth about how the education system has changed. I think because too many people are sleepwalking right into this, not realizing that the keys have been handed over to people who hate essential American values. You know, Robbie, I've made this point before, and I think you're making it as well, and you certainly do in the film. The United States of America is a very young country, relatively speaking, and so we still have a young, idealistic mindset in America. So we don't want to believe that these kinds of things are happening. We don't want to believe that our children's teachers are fundamentally evil. And, in, and indoctrinating them. We don't want to believe that the president of the United States is deliberately destroying the country. We don't want to believe it. So a lot of our fellow Americans live in a state of denial and wishful thinking, which of course does none of us any good because the Marxists are on the forward march always. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about, well, well let, me, let me frame it this way. I always assumed that because crimes against children, not just the indoctrination, but the sex trafficking, the sexual abuse, the grooming, all of these things, I had always assumed that because those kinds of crimes were particularly heinous and evil, that they were exceedingly rare. But sadly, what we have learned through the Epstein situation and what you expose in this movie that it's not rare at all, and that these kinds of crimes are far more common than we want to believe. Can you tell us what you found in that regard? Yeah, it's harrowing. I mean, in terms of, you know, the direct sex trafficking of kids, we have a major problem on a global scale. And frankly, you know, I think that thought process made sense 20 years ago. You thought certainly the news would tell us, certainly our leaders would tell us if there was global scale child trafficking operations going on, right? You thought, of course, our law enforcement would want to go after this. But functionally, enforcement is just awful on this issue. I mean, look no further than our border where everybody knows the extent of the trafficking is horrific, I mean, nobody even is able to fathom the total extent of how bad it is. But even if you just know on a cursory top line level, you understand that heinous, like the most heinous things are happening there. The U.S. government in many cases is handing over children to traffickers. Okay, so we're talking about unaccompanied minors then turned over to traffickers. And the number of children that they've lost, they can't tell you where they are. Massive. We're talking about tens of thousands of kids that they can't tell you where they went, okay? There's no excuse for what's happening down there. But that's just one piece of a massive puzzle. And when we talk to, you know, uh, Keelan Washington, she's somebody who was trafficked as a child, sold over a thousand times online. She was able to plug in a lot of the dots in terms of, you know, who's behind this and and how how insane this has really gotten and how the internet ties into it. But you know, I think your average person needs to know that we're no longer in that paradigm where you can trust the government or the media to tell you the truth. And that's why you've seen this explosion of alternative media and alternative everything, really, because enough people are woken up now to understand we need to have our own separate ecosystem for the truth to survive. Yes, indeed. That's that's where we're at. You know, I mean, look no further than there's this movie Rob Reiner made. Um, I forget what the name of it is, but it's essentially an attack on Christians. It just came out, had a major theatrical release. He was all over the mainstream media everywhere. Okay, the mainstream media loved this idea of his movie to to go and attack Christians. And he had some willing, you know, so-called Christian pastors help him do it. And it's essentially really just an attack on conservative Christians in America. Well, the result was they did $38,000 
in box office across the entire globe. Okay. Mm. That, that was, that was their first week. The, the minuscule number of people who saw his movie is just, it, it's laughable, but that's what the mainstream media focuses on. It's all, it's all about framing a narrative. Meanwhile, the mainstream media refuses to cover our film. Over 50 million people have seen it now, making it one of the most watched documentaries of all time, most watched of the year, okay? And it's out there purely by word of mouth. The mainstream media will not cover it, period, because they've watched it. We can see in the receipts who has watched the film on, on, the, on the purchases. I have seen where mainstream media people have bought and watched the film. They will not report on it because after they watch it, I guarantee you they walk away going, we need to make sure people do not see this movie because it can wake up the masses. It can wake up the people in the middle. It can wake up the sleepwalking blue dog Democrats who don't realize this is going on because we use their own words, their own media clips, their own studies to hang them with. Because people can see the studies, they can see the evidence of what they've done, they can see the victims, real life, in their own words. Not my words, not my spin, the real victims, the real people, the real numbers and studies. When they see all that and they're able to see the dichotomy, you know, like a good example of this would be with Layla Jane, the young girl who got a double mastectomy at 13 as part of a gender transition. We, we made a point to go and grab every media clip from major mainstream media outlets where they say no child is getting these surgeries. They say it over and over again. And then we hard cut to her and the question, which is how old were you when you got your double mastectomy? And it was the month of her 13th birthday. Mm -hmm. And when people have to face that, it's not just teaching them about the disaster and the crisis that has been put on our kids it's also teaching them about the complicit nature of the media and the fact that you can't trust them and all of those things are i would say it's just as beneficial as giving them the truth about the war on children absolutely and you know it calls to mind a movie that was released last year called sound of freedom i know you had talked about it and i had the producers um, and and some of the actors in that movie on this show as well it's word of mouth, it's alternative media, and, you know, it, it's not like you're going to necessarily go up against a Marvel movie, okay? But this kind of breakthrough that we're having with your film, The War on Children, Sound of Freedom, Angel Studios, The Chosen, which they produce, and, and they were all doing this on a, on a shoestring. It is having a real impact because people now know where to find this real information. And they're aware now that the imperial media, the government, big tech, Hollywood, they're doing their darndest to try to crush these uh, uh, con the, this uh, content and they're trying to crush the messaging around it and they are not succeeding because the word is getting out and I'm so happy and proud of you uh, Robbie for producing this movie and having it be so far the number one documentary so far this year um, let's talk about um, what you present in this film, because you do feature whistleblowers. You've got leftists caught on camera. As you mentioned, you've got survivors of child mutilation, trafficking victims. You've got corporate executives exposing the plan to sexualize children. What do they all have in common? You know, the, the people inflicting this on our children and then the people like the, the survivors of it that you have talked to, what, what, what do the children, the, the survivors of all of this, what do they want people to know? And what do you want uh, people to know about the people actually carrying out these evil deeds? Yeah, I think for for the survivors that we talked to, and in some cases, the you know family members of kids who have died as a result of this war on children, I think the number one thing for them is to make sure that people understand this is real, this is happening, and they're tired of being gaslit by a media that pretends none of this is real, none of this is happening. And it's sort of like the border situation. You know, if you, if you asked a bunch of people at mainstream media outlets for the past two years, they'd tell you there is no crisis at the border until it gets to this point of critical mass where they can't deny it anymore. And now it's, okay, let's try to see how we can blame it on Republicans, even though Republicans have been calling to stop this 
for decades, really. Um, so it's like it becomes this laughable, like Pravda reality once you hit that critical mass. And so I think we're we're sort of on the precipice of hitting that critical mass where people realize, oh my gosh, we've been lied to for so long, just like they have with the border issue. And so that was important to them that we reach that critical mass where people know what's going on and they demand that it stops because. You know, here's the reality. The reality is really dark, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're in the phase of normalization right now. This isn't just like a beginning point. This is we're in an end point. Okay. And what happens after normalization is exceedingly dark. And so this is really genuinely the last chance to stop it. And if I'm being intellectually honest, our odds are not better than 50-50. Okay. Of stopping Mm -hmm. it. The advantage that the enemy has here and and i say enemy because this really is a war it's it's fought on a different battlefield but it is a war and it's it's a war with consequences much greater than most wars of the past because this is going to decide functionally whether anywhere in the world is free over the next hundred years and so you know we're in this moment where if if you don't get to critical mass you don't explain these things. You don't get people to stand up to them on a local level. And instead, you have an apathetic populace that's just waiting for a party to save them or a politician to save them. Well, we're done. We're lost because the left owns these institutions. They, they own every cultural institution in our country. And so we have to take on our roles as parents, as warriors for these kids in our local areas and do everything possible to clear our local area of these ideologies, of this poison. Because here's the reality. If everybody does that, and it's incumbent on us, and it's our responsibility to stop it, and we do take on that responsibility and stop it, well, then soon if you take a zoomed-out view from, we'll call it eagle-eye view of the country, you're going to see that all these different people protected their local area, and together, because of that, that effort has resulted in the entire country being protected and insulated from this ideology. And the protection of the next generation means that we save this country. And so it's really a matter of the choices that everybody makes from here. You know, if we make the right choices, we can save this country. But it's a short time period we have to make those choices. And I do feel comfortable saying that if we lose the 2024 election, my hope that we can turn this around peacefully um, and maintain, you know, order and all those things, it's going to diminish. Yeah, it is. And I'm so glad you used the word normalization because just in what, maybe three short decades, we went from uh, from a, hearing an argument that love is love and that gays simply want the basic rights that any other American would have and just to be left alone to now we're at the point of normalizing drag shows for kindergartners and um, heading very quickly to a normalization of pedophilia. You're seeing it now on social media. You're seeing it in a lot of different places. So it is a very rapid, slippery slope. And that, I, I thank you so much for raising the warning here in this film and, and social media and elsewhere. Uh, Robbie, where is the money coming from globally for the global uh, sex trafficking operations for this overall Marxist agenda? Where is the money flowing from? Many different facets. And so that's that's where things get very complicated. And, and it's why we, we had some like, you know, outflow charts and things like that. Um, essentially... One of the big groups involved in, let's say, the trafficking side of things, it's the NGOs. And the NGOs are largely funded by all of the Western governments. And then you have some outside funders, uh, billionaires like George Soros, you know, those types. But it gets a multitude of different funding, you know, um, inflows from from different places. So even our own tax dollars are being used in in many cases for trafficking, whether it's labor, sex or, or you know, what have you. And then on the flip side of that, when you, when you zoom out on a large scale and say, you know, where's the money coming from, it's really being flowed in from all of the different cultural institutions the left owns. And in many cases, they're doing it with our money, you know? So uh, an example of that would be, you know, outside of the trafficking side of things. If you look at, there's this great account, um, oil field Rando, and he runs this, uh, 
this tool that sifts through all of the government spending and they find the most absurd stuff you can imagine. I mean, you know, gender programs in other countries that we're funding, um, you know, these centers for or studies on, you know, let's say things like, you know, how can we get better awareness of PrEP drugs for HIV positive men who have sex with transgender identifying individuals, like insanely specific. And then it will say in Brazil, you know, like mm. in some other place. Mm -hmm. And in truth, what that money really is, is it's, it's they're laundering money to ideologues who then turn around and use that money for the purpose of furthering the cause of this war on kids. And so the amount of the money that's just straight up coming from our government is massive. I mean, massive. And so when you roll it out like that to all of these nondescript, you know, uh, pop up nonprofits, and the money's all dark and you don't really know how they spent it, it, it becomes very clear very quickly that our government is one of the primary funders of this ideology. And it's because the left owns it. And this is actually, you know what, I will say, like if I had one criticism of the Trump admin, it would be that we did not go through with a wholesale strategy to fire as many people in the bureaucracy as we possibly could because it is dominated by the left. We should have broken up their ownership of so many of these institutions while we had the chance. And I do think that was a failure on many different people's parts, not just not just President Trump, because there's a lot of things that go along with that. And I know in a new administration, they do have a plan to use Schedule F and some of these other tools at their disposal to do exactly that. But it's very important to the future of our country that we do that and we clear the bureaucracy out because they're the people – that makes sure this stuff continues. Oh, yes. And I can guarantee you, Robbie, that in a second Trump administration, they are going to do exactly that. No more never Trumpers, no more Obama holdovers, no more deep staters, and no no more of these people promoting this. Yeah, and I mean, they all have to go and they all will go. Um, because Trump is a lot wiser this time. I mean, Donald Trump had never done any of this before in 2016. And when he became president, I mean, he was completely overwhelmed by the magnitude of the sprawling nature of the federal government and being able to uh, try to rein it in and control it. Very difficult. Um, he really had no concept. Bad people lying to him. Yeah, exactly you know, right. Exactly yeah, right. And there will be a big difference next time around. I can guarantee you that. Um, before we let you go, Robbie, this is this is a big question, but you touch on it in the film and you've touched on it here today. Um, and I talk about it all the time as well, that you, the title of your documentary is The War on Children. This is at base a spiritual war. So while we deal in the world, and obviously there are secular elements to this, right? Real children are getting really abused and really hurt and really killed here um, and really indoctrinated. But above everything else, this is a spiritual battle. And once you see it in those terms, you cannot unsee it. The evil is absolutely real. Can you speak to that aspect? Absolutely. You know, we make a point in the film of uh, talking about faithlessness among youth. And actually, when we distributed to, uh, you know, sort of a group of people before this ever came out to ask their thoughts, actually got some negative feedback about the fact that we were incorporating faith into it. They were like, it's going to turn off certain people. But the truth is, it's central to this because and that's why we kept it. You know, when you look at this problem, it's not an accident that the next generation has the lowest belief in God of any generation in our lifetimes. And they simultaneously have the worst mental health crisis of all time. And many of them are struggling to find reasons to want to live. Okay? These things are connected. This ideology, it defames and, and attacks God at every turn. This is absolutely a war of good and evil. And when you think about the name, the war on children... Really what I think about is the warning in the Bible about what should happen to those who make God's children stray. And I think that that is a poignant reminder of the judgment that people will face who stand and do nothing, or rather sit and do nothing. 
during a time like this. We mm-hmm. all have a call to protect the most vulnerable, and that's our children. And if we don't do it, we own the future and we own what happens to our kids, to our grandkids, because what's coming is not going to be kind to them. They are going to have a very, very, very difficult road, much more difficult than what we lived through. You know, I feel, I never thought I'd say this, but I feel blessed to have really like the 90, be around in the 90s. Like the 90s seem like heaven now, honestly. <laughs> you know? and, and yeah. Our, our kids will never have a time like that where, I mean, everybody got along in the 90s, right? Everybody got along. There was really not massive, you know, there wasn't huge racial division. You had these little things that would crop up and, and things like that. But in general, everybody got along. You know, people, if they offended someone, you remember people would just say, you know, um, something to the effect of like, well, to each their own, you know, like that was it, you know, like everybody can have their own opinion. No big deal. Now we have entire intelligence agencies dedicated to fighting opinions that, you know, don't, don't agree with the narrative that the ruling class desire, you know, so it's, it's sprawling this war, but we all have a duty to do something. And for people who haven't seen it, I I just urge them go to the war on children.com and watch the film, gift it to somebody, wake somebody up with the film. It, it truly is, I think, um, probably the greatest you know, thing that my wife and I have made aside from our children. It, it, it's just, I think, I think it's going to do a lot of good in this world. Well, it certainly is. I mean, it's an extraordinary documentary. It's an extraordinary piece of work. Robbie and you and Landon should be very, very proud of this. I want everybody to see it, thewaronchildren.com. Also, Robbie, if somebody wants to watch it on Rumble or another app, is it available elsewhere? Yes. So on our website, we have, it'll, when you go to watch now, it's going to show you all the different ways you can watch. And we're only getting more ways to watch. I mean, every, every week there's like a new, uh, a new person has popped up to be like, Hey, we we have this other Avenue, you know, for people to be able to stream and do this. So, um, we're going to have DVDs available soon. I think in the next couple of days here, um, we just put up the ability to buy a digital download totally for life. So you can just like download it and you have it on your own devices and no matter what big tech ever does, um, or any of these places ever do, you will always have it. So there's lots of different ways, rumble movies plus, um, movies plus, I believe actually is giving free, uh, subscriptions as well when you buy the full movie. Um, so that you can see other documentaries as well. So there are lots of cool ways to watch. Fantastic. The War on Children, new documentary about, well, the targeting of our children in so many different and and absolutely heinous evil ways. You need to know what's going on. The War on Children.com is website. You just heard from Robbie where L2 could get it. Robbie Starbuck. And uh, you should also be following Robbie on X because I love his Twitter feed at Robbie Starbuck. Robbie, thank you so much for your time today and congratulations on a very important film. Thank you so much. Really appreciate everything you're doing. All right, guys, that is going to do it for me. Thank you so much for joining me, as always, and for checking out our really terrific sponsors. We all really appreciate that. They are what keeps the show going along with you guys. So grateful for you. Have a terrific end of your week. I will see you right back here next week with a great series of shows. And have a fantastic weekend also. This episode of the Monica Crowley Podcast was produced by Bayhockel Entertainment, LLC. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.